Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, gentle listeners, depending on whenever you're listening. It is June the 1st of 2020, and what a time to be alive. Um, Tonight I will be recording, this is Sister Latter-day Twain, welcome to Hot Drinks. Tonight I will be recording without Brother Coffee, because as the two of us are still social distancing... Um, and we are starting our series with polyamorous couples. Um, we don't know enough about technology to be able to like connect three different phones slash locations to, um, record a single episode. So we're going to take turns and this week or this episode, it will be myself Um, with a couple that I will introduce in a second. But back to uh, such a time it is to be alive. Um, As you can imagine, Brother Coffee and I are just, as as well as many of our friends and as well as many of our gentle listeners, um, we're kind of fucked up about everything that's going on. We were already, you know, (laughs) the list, oh my God, the pandemic and quarantine was bringing up some old trauma for us or exacerbating some old trauma. And then, um, in my personal life, my father passed away. If, if you're still Mormon, what that means is his spirit left his glove or his hand, which is his spirit left his glove. Um, so that's what I mean. Um, And now we are dealing with a lot of um, protesting, writing, um, a lot of vocality across the country and in other countries because of the killing by a policeman of George Floyd. So, I mean, we all know what that is and what's going on. And it is a moment. Um, It seems to be a moment where everything is really... um, where there has been this indignation before, this moment is pretty singular. It's kind of huge. And without getting into too many details, because we want to get on with the episode, of course, um, I will just kind of leave it at that. But um, in Salt Lake City, I will mention, you know, we had... A guy, a Mormon white man, show up to the first day of protesting with a bow and arrow and start shooting at protesters. And then his car was flipped and set on fire. And so was a police car, a cop car, flipped and set on fire. My urging would be to donate to legitimate... Um, organizations that are involved, that are directly involved um, in the local areas that really need it the most, or find an organization that you know can be trusted that may be more national and you know that the money will do good for this cause, for the Black Lives Matter 
for the racial injustice that has never, ever, 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 ever gone away in this country that we live in. So (laughs) I guess you could say that is a bit of women's work. And if you're tuning in for the first time because you heard we were doing a series on polyamory and kind of wanted to um, see what this whole podcast was all about. Uh, Hot Dranks is a podcast where we talk about being ex-Mormon and we talk about how everything in our lives, even as ex-Mormons, is informed by the fact that we were raised in a cult. Um, and so that, it, that means we talk about sex or lack thereof or, you know, the trauma involved where, within, in which, wherein, um, we talk about our foray into drinking and maybe trying some recreational substances, um, and we talk about how we were raising our kids, Brother Coffee and I are both single parents. Brother Coffee is my jack, my jack host, oh my god, (laughs) my co-host, I am Latter-day Twain, those are our pseudonyms, um, and we start out every episode with with what we used to call housekeeping, and now we call it women's work because it's more accurate. Housekeeping is is for women. Um, so, other than the you know completely singular moment in global history that we're experiencing right now, um, it is the start of Pride Month. And a lot of Pride activities will be done, like, online. Um, I saw that there's, like, a 30-day thing for June for people who identify in the LGBTQ spectrum. Um, And there's one thing they'll do post online every day for the month of June. Um, My favorite thing... is when people say to offer your support, send them money (laughs) or send them a gift card for their favorite coffee shop or something like that because um, that's just like a tangible something that they can really hold on to in their hands and and take advantage of. Um, So uh, Pride Month and... Uh, I have one more week of pandemic unemployment, and then I'm going to apply for an extension. Uh, Brother Coffee has gone back to work. I believe that they are in full swing. So I'm sure we'll hear more about that when he records the next episode with the next couple in line. Um, With that, I am going to um, take a break. And then I'll bring in our guests. They are a married couple named Adam and Eve. And we're going to hear all about the journey of Adam and Eve, the ex-Mormon couple who have now either opened up their marriage or they're polyamorous or, you know, whatever verbiage they use. Verbiage, verbiage. Um, we, will, we will find out soon. So hang in there. We'll be right back. Hello. Hello. Is this Eve? It worked. It worked. How's it going? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 
crazy that it works? It's kind of magic. I'm very impressed. I'm, I'm so excited. Amazing. So I hear the voice of Eve and I hear the voice of Adam in the background is yes. just as it should be. That's yes. correct. Yes. <laughs> so we have never met except for the pre-existence, which we right. don't remember because of the veil over our, our mind. So <laughs> veil. Um so Adam and Eve, you are a couple that fill in the blank. Wow, great question. <laughs> you are a couple uh, that Pressure. grew up traditionally and classically LDS along the Wasatch Front oh. and left the church a couple years ago. And as part of the reinvention of our lives, we decided to wade into the wonderful world of ethical non-monogamy. <laughs> wade into the wonderful oh. world. Hang on. I want to write that down. Wade. Take notes. The wonderful right. world of, got it. <laughs> um, okay. So <clears throat> I would like, if you don't mind, to hear Right off the bat, I would like to hear from Eve, and I'd like to hear from Adam. I want to hear just like your basic background, like um, you don't have to share any details that you don't want to. Um, Great. Like what your, in a nutshell, what your upbringing was like, um, how you met, um, how many kids you have, that kind of thing. Fantastic. Okay, cool. I'll I'll start. Okay. Um, I, I mean, we, Adam gave us the very quick synopsis of this. I grew up in a very just traditional LDS family. <clears throat> My parents are lovely, wonderful people who are still married. After many years, I have grew up with three siblings and myself, so four of us, and. I had a lovely childhood. I have absolutely no complaints about my upbringing. And I feel like my parents did a great job encouraging us to um, set goals and accomplish our, our dreams. My mom always made sure we knew we wanted or made sure that we knew to go to college. They were very awesome, cool people. Um, I met Adam when I was the very mature age of 14. <laughs> Oh we knew, no. We knew immediately that we should be married. <laughs> we wow. Did. We did not. Uh, <laughs> we were friends for a very long time and he went on a mission. I went to college. He came back. We got married. We have three children. And yeah. I don't what, know. Are their, what are their age range? What's the age range of your they're, children? They're fairly young children. They are three children under the age of 10. So, wow. Okay. Yes. And you've been married for how long about? Um, it's going to be 15 years. Coming yes. Up. We, I was 20. Was I 20? Yeah. It's very young. <laughs> <laughs> I was 20 when we got married. So you guys gave yourself a few years before you started having kids. Was that an intentional? Yes. Yeah, it was. We, um, after um, we left the Wasatch Front to go to graduate school. And um, during that time, many of the LDS people in our similar situation were having kids. But we, um, I've always been pretty fiscally 
responsible. And so <laughs> realized that um, to waiting to have kids would be in our best interest, both financially. And we really wanted to have some time in our marriage to get to know one another and um, form a, a relationship between the two of us. And I'm really glad we did that. And that yeah. was even in our, our times of, of total orthodox belief. We, we were quote, slow to have kids. That's yeah. uh you guys are kind of the exception. <laughs> yeah. I really liked working. I loved my job where I lived um, for grad school. And so I was not in a rush to stop that. And I grew up, um, you know, similarly, obviously, uh, even I went to the same high school. uh, So we grew up along the Wasatch Front in the same area. And um, I have a slightly less traditional LDS background, but still, um, you know, pioneer heritage on one side and uh, was an Eagle Scout and uh, went on a mission, uh, held all the callings that uh, a person would have through, you know, the quote unquote major callings. Sure. And um, yeah, we uh, just decided a couple of years ago that um, that we were for all, all the reasons that so many <laughs> yeah. of us have already discovered, you know, that the thing that broke my shelf was... Um, I just couldn't abide the church's position on same-sex marriage. It was untenable for me. Right. And one of our daughters asked me during the passing of the sacrament one day, she looked at the men on the stand and the the boys blessing the sacrament, the boys passing the sacrament. And she was five at the time. And she looked at me and said, well, dad, why did God love you enough to make you a boy, but not me? (gasps) And that was kind of the end. <laughs> the five-year-old can call out the bullshit. It, it's hard to get past. And this was two years ago. Yeah, this was two years ago. And uh, wow. so that all of this sort of was happening at the same time. My position on same-sex marriage and not being able to abide the church's position on that. And then our daughter's uh, reading of the patriarchy at that age um, along with, as we know we're going to talk about along with our dysfunctional uh sexual life and our <laughs> we we were just like this is not this is not happening anymore so i want to go back to one thing if, if you don't mind elaborating a little bit adam um what you mean by your upbringing wasn't quite as traditional like what specifically give me an example of what what you mean by that Sure. So I've, I was raised by a single mom and I'm an only child. So, Oh, that is huge. Yeah, Both yeah. of those things. So those two things just, you know, we went to a high school that is 99% LDS where almost everyone, you know, is their parents are married and they have, you know, two to 13 siblings. <laughs> and so being a, a child of a single mom and having, uh, being an only child, I, I felt that growing up. I, I couldn't even sit through Father's Day sacrament lessons because it was uh, it was just too much. And other than that, like, say, the Father's Day thing, were there moments where you felt intentionally or even unintentionally ostracized because of your unconventional family? No, you know, I want to give... I, I have grace and gratitude for the ward I grew up in and, and the men in that ward who put their arm around me and, and gave me opportunities to, you know, go and do father, son kind of things. Um, so I, I never felt um, 
like I missed out, um, though the underlying sort of uh, angst was there that I knew that I um, wasn't having the experience I was quote unquote supposed to have. Sure. And I had a lot of doubts about my ability to be a father and, and a lot of uh, shame around my inability <clears throat> to operate the priesthood. And so those, those narratives were an insidious source of damage uh, throughout my early years of marriage and, and parenthood. Oh, yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> um, and do you mind if asking, and if you don't want to share this detail, just say, I'd rather not. Um, were your parents divorced or what was the single mom situation there? Yeah, my mom um, is a serial monogamist, as we in the uh, non-monogamist. <laughs> community World. sometimes <laughs> refer to um so she um liked being married and would often find herself divorced okay <laughs> interesting so i don't know if you have listened to the episode where we talk with brother tian come on my face mm -hmm. um <laughs> but he has like six stepdads yeah. <laughs> similar story yeah. Um, also I, the one and only, um, man, cause I, I have had two relationships since my divorce. One was a man was, was with a man and one was with a woman. Um, the only man that I have dated since my divorce also had a similar situation, hmm. several stepdads, but always kind of ended up finding himself that it was just he and mom. Right. Wow. That resonates deeply with me. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. is pretty much my, uh, I, I learned at a young age to distrust um, men and found their um, words and promises to be pretty hollow. And that was a, a challenge for sure. That's completely understandable. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> so there's some background. We laid a foundation. Right. A firm foundation. Um, so, <laughs> okay. So you've been married for 15 years. And so what's fascinating to me, because I've never been in a long-term relationship with someone who is of the same sexual orientation as myself. Yeah. So I was married for 13 years to a gay man. And then the guy that I dated, it was like a year and a half. And then the woman I dated was just nine months. And I'm not um, bi-romantic. I just like pussy. Um, <laughs> As do we. <laughs> I, I feel you. <laughs> but, I was, but I did love that woman. I did. I, I was in love with her. But I, I think that was kind of a singular moment for me. But what, what I'm getting at is um what's fascinating to me is that you were together for 13-ish years and pretty mormon right yes oh, those yeah. 13 Even years yes and not only in in a two-year time time span have you decided to leave the religion of your upbringing but also to just throw monogamy in the trash just right out the window so <laughs> 
So I'm, I want to hear a, the, the story and how that evolved. But one specific question I have right now in my mind okay. is what was the window of time between, okay, we're done with the Mormon church and let's try opening up our marriage conversation. Good question. Yeah. I really very small window. I don't actually know the exact amount of time, but it, Basically, when we decided to leave the church, we sort of realized that that was going to pretty much explode our entire lives, that it was going to be fairly nuclear for our social life and our family life and all of that. So we basically sat down one night and said, you know, what do we want our lives to look like? We no longer are going to have the guilt and shame that religion brought. We're not going to have cultural narratives that define our marriage and our relationship and how we raise our children and we're going to do this our way. And so along with leaving the church, we had been discussing for many years, just as more pillow talk sort of thing, um, the concept of non-monogamy. And so when we finally decided to leave and recraft our lives, um, non-monogamy was at the top of the list of things we wanted to add and experiment with as we started the new uh, marriage 2.0. <laughs> Everything you just said and the way that you articulated it made me so hard. Um, I, <laughs> I am in awe. I really, oh. I really am. Um, and here's, here's the, th- the thing. Um, I'll, I'll give you this blurb and then we'll take a break and come back and we'll get into the, the journey, like the, the meat of this like but... the long thick journey yeah <laughs> the hard the hard solid journey and just it'll just slap us in the face but um <laughs> uh the little blurb i want to add is like i am in this very odd space of i think and i i, I feel like i know i don't think i just i i, I don't just think it. I feel like I know it. That monogamy is bullshit. And those couples who have maybe made it 40, 50, 60 years and they're monogamous, uh, I, I don't believe that they are happy one whit. Yeah. There is not a long enough podcast to cover all of the feelings that I have around this topic. There is a wonderful documentary called Monogamish. Um, produced by Dan Savage. Who, and Esther Perel. Yeah. Who, oh, yeah, I've heard of it. Yes. Like heroes of ours. And um, essentially, Dan, at one point, articulates what you just did, that monogamy, if successful, is often a, a random accident. And the, the, the history and trail of monogamy is littered with a lot of broken relationships and unnecessary tears and sadness. And that... Um, the origins of monogamy are also problematic if we're talking about the patriarchy about making sure that you know that your heir is actually of your seed and it is largely around the control and ownership of women's sexuality and that in um, tribal or um, less traditional cultures non-monogamy was a uh, significant part of their culture 
and that it is only through the Judeo-Christian lens of, you know, the last couple thousand years that we have established monogamy as a norm. But in reality, it often is not uh, the default of the human experience. And um, so, right, aka it is bullshit. Fucking <laughs> duh. Oh, my God. God, you are just speaking my language. And so this weird space that I'm in is where I realize that it doesn't work. Right. But I have never had an opportunity to be in a relationship long enough to establish the relationship first. Right. And then get to a place where we're like, okay, our monogamous lifestyle isn't working for one or both of us, what should we do? So what I'm trying to say in a nutshell is like, I have never tried polyamory and it scares the shit out of me, even though I believe that it's probably the, the way to go. You know what I'm saying? Yes. That's why we're, we're like, we talking. do, we do actually understand, <laughs> and, you know, it's, this might be getting into the weeds a, a tidbit, but there is, you know, you just use the term polyamory and that is such a ginormous term. I think that, I don't know, jump in here to say it's me. like, it's like an umbrella term, right? It, the biggest umbrella is ethical non-monogamy. Okay. That, that is the umbrella of umbrellas. And then there is a pretty quick branching point underneath <clears throat> that. And on one hand you have polyamory, which we don't necessarily identify as okay we, we are the other branch more traditionally called swinging though Which we don't I, love we that, hate term. that term but but po- the, because it's cliche yeah well and it, uh, and it's it taboo. screws up images of 1970s key, key parties key parties yeah home springs cheetah print <laughs> not, not the modern rendition of that the and we're no experts or like, we're not trying to be some authoritarian position in the ethical non-monogamous space, <laughs> but polyamory traditionally um, is defined by more committed, like long-term relationships. Um, so where like maybe even I would have a live-in girlfriend or boyfriend that lives with us, that we're committed as a triad or a thruple. And like, that is our polyamorous relationship. Wait, 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 wait. Say that again. <laughs> so, uh, which part? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to learn here. The, the thing about having a live-in person, is that something you guys no. are into? No. Or no? We have never done yeah. that. And, and again, I feel like really, I want to be careful about term, you know, giving specific terminology, a specific definition, because obviously everyone's relationship is so unique and special to them. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, polyamory has more to do with a committed relationship, whether that's in your own home or outside. If Adam and I each had, you know, boyfriends or girlfriends outside of our home or people that lived in our home, that falls more within the umbrella of polyamory, where what we consider ourselves more of falls under the concept of swinging, which is more... uh, What shall we say? Recreational? It's dating. We date other couples. And we often have sex with them. But we are not looking for romance. We're looking for friendships and connections and fun, but we are not looking for an additional person to bring into our relationship. Okay, okay, that's why I needed to to repeat that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, complete sense. 
So like so, we date, like we, there are websites and we can talk about more about this, but we, like we find people who want those same things and we date, we go on dates and we flirt and we text. And then uh, through that process, we will sometimes just meet someone once and have a great night. And that's wonderful. And we have met people who have become absolutely dear lifelong friends, though we wouldn't say we are romantically involved with them in the way a polyamorous person might. Okay. Okay. So, yes. I Okay. I'm getting your specific definition. So, where you're at right now, it's not about being in love with a bunch of people. Correct. Correct. And that's literally what polyamory means, right? Is, is poly meaning many, amorous meaning love. Right. So you're, you're out to meet new people, to, to go on dates with people other than just yourselves and slap the uglies together. You got it. Basically. Got it. Okay. And I just to put a pretty bow on that, I would say that if we've learned one thing through this, geno- this you know, process in this world we've waded into is that things are constantly evolving and changing and what we liked yesterday is not what we like today. And the concept of polyamory is not offensive to me in any way. And I think that it is entirely possible that down the road, if we met the right person, that we would be open to that. Yeah. But we haven't met that person. Which says to me that you guys have some pretty fucking great communication skills. And sex. (laughs) Both of those things are true. And the the piece, uh, my final piece, my bow to this would be that um, just because we're swingers and not polyamorous doesn't mean the relationships we're forming with these people aren't intimate and meaningful and important to us. Um, that it's not for us just about the sexual acts and the different configurations we can make and uh, all that is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, sitting down and going on these dates the, the sex part only becomes meaningful and fun when a, a real connection has been reached, when we right. find something compelling and attractive and magnetic about the people we're with. It's, um, it's not, you know, putting notches on the bedpost and, and <laughs> it, it, at least for right. us. And, Definitely not for us. Um, connection is very important for us. Yeah. So those, those things you could say, there's a bit of a blurry line between the, the polyamory and the swinging and maybe we live in in between praise the lord i love what you said <laughs> about uh, some type of connection and uh, some type of intimacy um that intimacy can be framed in so many different ways right um like i have had many sexual partners but i got to this point where i was like i'm done as you said, putting notches on the bedpost and I will, I really only want to have sex with someone that I feel connected to. And so, you know what? I haven't had sex in September. Wow. Good for you. We, and sorry. We, I'm happy, sad. For- <laughs> <laughs> but here's I the thing too. I want you to find connection. I want but that it, for you. I, I mean, yeah, I relate to that 100%. It can be novel and fun and thrilling in the beginning, especially as an ex-Mormon who's only ever had one sexual partner and never masturbated, right? Ah, like ah, that ah. can be thrilling, but it burns out fairly quickly. Yes, it does. And I was, I was doing it 
working a full-time job with four kids and having multiple partners within a week sometimes. Yeah. Um, But value in that there is space in that in being chosen and being validated by other people like that has been part of our journey. Fucking A. And when that part runs its course, then the connection and the intimacy and the vulnerability start to be more meaningful. Can I have sex with you guys? You guys? <laughs> Sounds amazing. I thought it's like, come on out. <laughs> oh my God. No, seriously though. Side note. And then we really will take a break. Okay. <laughs> I'm guessing you guys are probably like in your mid thirties. Yes. Okay. Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> there are so many men in their mid thirties, which is my wheelhouse. Okay. <laughs> um, who... I just assume their marriage is monogamous, but I want to fuck so bad. And sometimes the wife, but most of the And like, I just will continue to dream about it. I, I don't know. I don't want to approach it. I don't want to be the one to approach it. I know it's, we call, we call the non-monogamous people vanilla. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but no. <laughs> The vanilla world is a beautiful world full of dangerous people that you are not allowed to have sex with. <laughs> One of the catchphrases in the in the ethical non-monogamy world is, hey, you know, we know this, we know our lifestyle, and it's also called colloquially... The lifestyle. The lifestyle, which you'll hear us refer to that. Oh, my God. So you'll hear us say, oh, we go to a lifestyle resort on vacations or we go to one of our favorite lifestyle websites. So that's a, that's when if you hear that, that's what that means. Oh, my God. Anyway, so we say, you know, the lifestyle isn't for everyone, which is true. And that's a way of honoring the vanilla people and their if they're happy in monogamy, God bless them. I feel like I'm having a conversation with like members of the Illuminati (laughs) where you're all vanilla and the lifestyle. This is right. I actually resent because it resonates as like member and (laughs) non-member. So I'm actually like really reticent to use those terms, but just, this is just a little vocab lesson. I I hear you. And I, I, I'm grateful for that. Okay. So let's take a break. And before when we come back, before we jump into like the conversations that 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 started this um i guess i i do want to hear a little bit about well, just a little bit more because i do want to keep it to the um, ethical and non-monogamy as much as possible but yeah. i do want to hear a little bit more about um that old popular way of putting it the shelf breaking like oh sure you know, to someone listening who has never been raised Mormon or religious, it kind of would sound to them like your transformation religiously happened overnight. Yes. Oh, yeah. And true. that is not def- true. Decided. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. okay. So let's take a break and then let's touch on that when we get back and then we'll jump into the ethical non-monogamy journey that you've been on. Perfect. Yeah, fantastic. So what I'll do now, here's a little behind the scenes for everyone Ooh, listening. Okay. I'm going to um, click finish recording. I'm going to take a few minutes to let that upload. Great. And then I will re-invite you. So I'll send you another link. Okay, Got perfect. To join. Okay. Fantastic. Talk to you soon. Okay. okay. We're back. Welcome back. Woo-hoo. This has already been so exciting for me. <laughs> <laughs> you are delightful. Um, 
have you guys ever talked about this on a podcast before? Not exactly, no. No, no. This is to to be able to um, share our our journey through the our LDS landscape and how it transitioned into our current <laughs> lifestyle experience is uh, it's cathartic and lovely and helpful. And I've never met you, and I feel tremendously connected to you just yeah. <laughs> by virtue of sharing this. It's wonderful. Oh, you know, I have I have kind of two thoughts. One one reason that we wanted to do this, we are absolutely not out in the world to our you know vanilla friends and such that 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 this is something that we do but is that we feel like this is a really beautiful way to live your life and we are just very normal people we're parents we have jobs we have you know friends and 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 we just want to be good advocates for this thing that we think is a really beautiful way to live and so it's it felt important for us to do this well I, yeah and i mean ironically to put it in in a familiar frame like this has blessed our life. We are benefits <laughs> of this. And like now I finally found something I'm willing to go door to door talking about. <laughs> yeah, like this, this is worth this is cross-lighting yeah. for. That's amazing. And That's amazing. Yes? I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, okay. Carry on. Um, you know what's funny to me is I have a dear friend who is in a monogamous relationship and they're not happy. Right. And when I tell him about the myriad of couples that I have met in the last 10 years who are not traditionally monogamous, it's like he doesn't believe me. Right. right. He's like, he's like, shut the fuck up. And then and then he's like, gets to this point where he's like, I believe you. I believe, you know, I don't think you're lying to me, but I cannot rap my head around it right and like and this is someone who can't even talk to his wife about uh, people he might find attractive that are not her. right right scares the shit out of them so uh, and 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 it's just it's just there's there's so couples are just like all over the place and i love that um you know our resident therapist, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. <laughs> she says that 10 years ago, all of her clients were monogamous. You know, all of her married clients were monogamous. And now only about half of them. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, something really amazing about the people that we have met in this space, while we may not want to bring every single one of those people home, we have never <laughs> met a single individual or a couple that have not been just wonderful amazing open-minded lovely people and I think it's because you have to know yourself you have to know your partner you have to communicate at the highest level and and then there is something about being able to share every part of yourself with these people that makes a really beautiful connection really easy to make there are very few people that we can sit down and say yeah we're not monogamous with but when you can do that with people it creates an amazing connection and it's it's just really it's really beautiful I'm all for it I'm all yeah. for it like I don't feel starved for connection um even though I I haven't had connected sex since September right mm -hmm. um 
I, but I do feel like I'm intimate with people in other ways, but right. like connected sex is probably the pinnacle of existence. It is. We feel that way. <laughs> it is transcendent. Yeah. I feel, I feel like if, if everyone had connected sex, no one would need, no one would become like addicted to like heroin. It'd be a really, it'd be a really different world. It'd be a different world. It'd be a better place. Everyone would be so happy. Some parasitical glory. A little more. Yeah. Okay, so I do want to hear quickly, like I said, about your journey out of the church and how your quote-unquote shelf broke. Okay. Great. How you got to the point where we're like, okay, that's it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is a lifelong journey I think for me specifically I learned at a young age exactly what was expected of me to be praised and uh, accepted to make people proud of me and I I also knew at that young age that it wasn't exactly who I was but I got really good at figuring out how to fit into the box and I was praised and I you know, I got to be the young women's president and got to speak in state conference. And, you know, those <laughs> things felt really important to me. And I learned yeah. and it grew from there to be this version of myself. I remember as like a 14, maybe 15 year old laying on my bedroom floor and just kind of crying on my floor about the life that I didn't get to live. I knew that I wanted to have a master's degree. I wanted to go to school on the East Coast and pursue art history and all these things. And I knew it wasn't going to be something I could do because I was supposed to be a stay-at-home wife and that was my calling. And, you know, so, yeah, I just, I felt that all my life, but I really pushed it down. I got all the lessons. I got the cupcakes, smashed cupcake, you know, so I shut my my sexuality off and squeezed into the box and just put my head down and did the thing. So, you know, fast forward to several years ago we've always had real struggles with uh, the church's stance on LGBTQ plus Mm -hmm. people. We've always had real struggles with the patriarchy and women's place in the church. And then as I started to finally dive in, once I started to feel like my shelf couldn't handle it anymore. And so I decided I needed to delve into the history and see if I actually truly believed it or not. I very quickly within days of that realized it wasn't real. And um, I fin- I was done a little bit before Adam was. He kept going to church for a little bit after I had. I think the first bravest thing that I ever did in my life and I was to tell him that I couldn't do it anymore. That was the first time in my life that I felt like I actually spoke my truth for myself. And- Holy shit. And so let me ask really quickly, was that yeah. like a... Was that like a conversation that involved tears or? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was terrified and shaking and, and he was amazing and wonderful. And I'm sure it wasn't a surprise to him. He'd, you know, been there through the whole process and he'd been going through his own process as well. Um, but to actually say the words first, I'd been waiting for probably over a year, honestly, like, or maybe years. I don't know. To but say I'd... it? For him to leave first. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh. I had just been waiting for him to, I, and just hoping that someday he would get sick of it and be done so that I could just say, oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be done. Uh, <laughs> and be the just easygoing, affable wife. And 
So for me to find to be done first and to finally for the first time speak my truth was very terrifying and very rewarding because he was amazing and understanding and lovely as he is. God damn, I need to have sex with your husband. Um, I'm probably going to say that a few more times. And I'm sure when Brother Coffee listens to this, he'll be saying it to himself as well. He loves, he loves, he loves straight, straight men. men. We've already talked about this. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just feel like um, I had my thoughts together pretty well, and I'm suddenly feeling very flushed and just <laughs> owned by myself. It's just going to be you and I for the rest of the uh, recording. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, no, but um, really quick, I want to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, how long ago was that when you had that first tearful, terrifying conversation? About three years ago, probably. Okay. Mm-hmm. And okay. So, and, and just to re- recap, because I have ADHD and I've had two glasses of wine, um, As you, <laughs> you, it was first the LGBTQ issues that were weighing heavily on you. And then when you delved into actual church history. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Also, that was like- also women, you know, when Kate Kelly was excommunicated, that was a, real serious blow for me <laughs> didn't they excommunicate her by like email or something oh god probably <laughs> uh, yeah yeah um so yeah i i have a, a friend who's more of an acquaintance and um one of those friends that you you interact with more on social media than you ever have really in real life although sure. you've seen each other in real life um and i think i sent her the ces letter about three years ago mm. Yep. And that was the nail in the coffin. And I didn't know I was doing that. Yeah. I was thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I think um, the yes letter was probably the nail in my coffin as well. It's yeah, I I I read through that during one of my son's uh baseball games probably six, seven years ago when I had already left. And I just felt validated, you know, it just yeah. felt fucking validating. Yep. Um I I think that my big fear that kept me around for a long time was how on earth do you raise children in the world without the church to guide you? And oh. I feel like I stayed for that. Like I have to have this structure around me to raise my children with. Right, and right. One day, I actually think Adam said this, you know, that we realized like the church does not actually align with our values we don't share the same values. And it just dawned on me that I had to leave for my children and, you know, not stay for them. God damn. And that, that was what I think gave me the courage finally to leave. And, you know, since leaving, I feel like I suddenly love being a mother in a whole new way. I love my I love (laughs) parenting is suddenly fun and cool and exciting. And instead of stressful and guilt-ridden and awful so oh my god I know you were saying exactly what is in my head it's like when in Dorothy when Dorothy in Wizard of Oz when it's still black and white and she meets the the guy that who ends up being the the Wizard of Oz and she says why it's like you can read what's inside of me (laughs) um anyways so okay so um yeah Adam yes Okay, quick question, Adam. I'll ask you this question, and then I want to hear your journey out of the church. What do you think of the assumed statistic that is in my mind that if a husband leaves first, typically 
couples will divorce because the wife is like, how dare you? And if the wife leaves Mm. first, the husband will end up leaving as well and they stay together. Wow, I've never thought of that. My um, initial reaction to that is um, that that doesn't align with my experience. Oh, okay. I'm glad to hear that. Okay. Yeah, that's my first impulse. Mm. Yeah. We um, were talking all along the way. Yes. Our shelves were cracking together in parallel, but for different reasons. Uh Um, And so um, I just, we feel very, very fortunate to have arrived at the same decision around the same time, albeit for different reasons. And that, that has, I recognize not everyone has that opportunity. And to be fair, I will add that I, I told him, you know, that I was done first but I knew he was also not far behind. Like it wasn't me coming out of left field. We'd been processing this together for many, 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 many months. I just, okay. I just yeah. finished for, first. For years okay. we had been listening to Mormon matters and, and yeah. Mormon stories. And we had branded <clears throat> ourselves as progressive Mormons. And I was giving pretty progressive talks from the pulpit on a regular basis. So Oh, okay. There were things, yeah, it wasn't uh, like shock to me or to her. Okay, okay. Okay, so Adam, let's hear like when when things started unwinding in your head for you. And I'll just throw in like when I look back and I'm completely honest with myself, and I think I've said this on an episode or two, the first, the very first unraveling that I ignored for many years was when I was a student at BYU. Yes. Hmm. Ignored, ignored, ignored. Married a gay man. I knew he was gay. We have four kids. Then the Prop 8 summer hits. And I'm, it just, there, there's a little bit more unraveling. Not that there wasn't a little bit of unraveling between those two periods. And, and, uh, and then the divorce, it just was like that complete, like, you see the spool of thread just completely unwind itself. Yeah. Um, yes. I, so, I feel so, you. So, wh- so when did yours start? Um, so probably uh, on my mission. Um, so I went to a mission that is uh, enriched with church history. And as a part of that, um, much of the content of the CES letter uh, became I learned at that age, um, and, or at least some of those issues. And uh, however, so that, that was the first thread on the spool that came off. But as a tall white man, the box, the LDS box serves me pretty well, right? <laughs> yes. So like- It's it, made for you. <laughs> yeah, like it's so good. I just get yeah. <laughs> constant validation and affirmation and promotion. So like- the box was great. Like Megan Force didn't fit in the box and I did. And right. so it made it easy when my, my um, shelf got its first crack to patch that crack and move on. Okay. Um, so, and, but- and you say Eve didn't fit in the box because she's a, a woman? It just was always hard for me. I just felt like I was a sexual being and I wasn't supposed to be. So I shut that off. I wanted to... Okay you know, have a career and maybe not have kids and all these things. And so I just didn't fit, but I made it, I made myself. Okay. Fit. 
Got I it. loved the box. The box yeah. was warm and comfortable and it's, amazing. You, it, it's, it's, def- there's no unknown involved. Oh, right. I no knew. fear. Oh, yeah, go ahead. So nice to know, isn't it? To just know everything. Yep. To be better than other people. I mean, what's not to love? It's so great. <laughs> so, you know, so that got me by for a long time. Um, and so as I tell people, you know, ultimately it wasn't church history that got me, it's church present. And the, I have some grace for the historical, well, I mean, just to be clear, it is bullshit and not real. So like, right. so, <laughs> but I, I would or conceivably have space for like, wow, that was a different time and a different culture and history is imperfect. Like that I had some understanding or would given some latitude for that. But when I looked into the present and I saw that a woman cannot be a second counselor in the Sunday school presidency because she <laughs> does not have a phallus, like that, that is something that is just totally untenable. The, um, what I, my daughter was able to read the patriarchy, right? But ultimately what, so what got me going was a few years ago, I held a, considerable stake position and was asked to give a series of firesides about pornography and mm-hmm. i was like cool we're gonna have a pornography fireside how Sign much porn up. are we gonna watch <laughs> this is gonna be great and you know the stake president was aghast and i said well I, it sounds like what you actually want to talk about is healthy sexuality and let's not talk about what we don't want let's not talk about porn let's talk about what we do want anyway i set out on this exploration of the Bible and of the scriptures. I'm a highly analytical person, lots of spreadsheets, lots of research. And I set out from a position of faith to demonstrate to the youth why the church's position on pornography or same-sex marriage was correct. And long story short, there is no scriptural substantiation for that position. And so it made me wonder what else was there not scriptural substantiation for and it turns out there's none for the word of wisdom (laughs) none for our position on sexuality these major tenets of our faith are are actually the um interpretations of old white wealthy men along the wasatch front and then listening to the this american life episode where they talked about the interviews, the graphically sexual interviews with young women by bishops mm-hmm. was that was then my shelf broke because I said, that is a decision we are making now. Joseph Smith fucking all the 14 year olds is deeply yeah. problematic. Uh-huh. And in modern day, we are electing to let 50 year old men sit alone with 12 year old girls and I ask them hen and how and when and why they rub their clitoris. Right. That yeah. is so church present broke my shelf. Okay. He's getting fired Sorry. up there. Could you feel that? Sorry. <laughs> oh, I can feel so many things through the line right now. Like he was getting feisty. <laughs> so, okay. Um, some clarifying questions. <laughs> oh, and I am tipsy as fuck. Um Excellent. So when Eve came to you. And she had that conversation and that tearful, really scary conversation with you. Where were you at with all of that? 
Yeah, I was not shocked. I was so grateful that she told me and that she trusted me with her truth. And um, I was, I mean, I was about nine months from leaving. It was nine months later that I went to the bishop and said, it's over. Okay. Um, So from a timeline. And I had already given these, I'd had this awakening around what I was talking about, that there isn't scriptural support for so many of these positions. Yeah. And yeah. uh, yeah, So I please, Um, I would add that he was sort of in the position, correct me if I'm wrong, that you wanted to stay to change it from the inside. Thank you. Oh, you were one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. It was, it was cute. (laughs) It was awful. I hated it. I was making some progress, but it was, was, uh, it was a losing battle. Insurmountable task. Dude, dude. Like, I think we all go through that at first. Yeah. And, and if I can make a non-monogamy correlation here, (laughs) though, you know, those couples who decide that they want to try non-monogamy, but they really just want to get divorced. Oh yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) You're like, yeah, uh, yeah. that is kind of what that is for me. Like, I'm going to try to change it from the inside. I want to affect change. I want to be that person. And I'm just like, even before we knew the church was worth over a hundred billion American dollars. When people would say that, I would go, dear God, that's, that's, uh, what you're do what you're doing is gaslighting yourself. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I tried to do it too. And I, and I remember the prop eight summer and how I felt in the months thereafter, mm-hmm. I felt like every, and, and I was at the time I was teaching the leaf society two to three times a week. And I remember because I couldn't help it with, I would always teach the lessons with this tweak of, I'm going to change this from the inside. Yeah. It, it's an easy way for, I'll speak for myself. For me, uh-huh. it was a convenient way to let myself off the hook of making the hard decision to get divorced. Right. To leave the church. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sticking with your analogy. Yes. <laughs> with the analogy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was exactly. letting by saying that, Oh, I'm this progressive voice from the inside. <clears throat> going to affect change uh, from the pulpit I have. That really was a defense against doing the thing that I knew I needed to do. That was the harder, scary thing. Uh, because the, again, the box was good to me. And so I want to ask and, and, and answer however you guys want to, whether it's Eve or both of you, uh, Eve or Adam, or both of you jumping in at the same time, like was that jumping into the unknown, jumping outside of your box, you're comfortable thing that had parameters and a, and a framework was it scarier for you adam or for eve good question i would say on three should we answer that oh one God. two three adam <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> yeah well i had more to lose so to speak okay. yeah i i think for me i say it felt almost more of like a coming home for me like i it was it was very scary because i was starting to become my real self for the first time which was very scary, but I finally felt like I could finally be myself. So yeah. it, it felt um, like a relief. 
I was obviously terrified to tell my family and my friends. I didn't want anyone to know. I just thought I'd just do it by myself. It'd be great. Mm-hmm. Eve was, um, by leaving the church, stepping into an identity that had always been there, uh, that had been sequestered. Um, a little bit of, if you've read Untamed, this is a popular yeah. book in our house. Megan, yeah, I- I've, I've been listening to it on Audible, and I'm, I'm several chapters in. Yes. So Eve always knew that it was supposed to be more beautiful than this. Right. To use Glenn's mm. word. Um, whereas I didn't. The, I, so she was stepping into a, a long known but um, silenced truth. And I, I was creating a new identity for myself outside of Mormonism. Um, but that leads to, uh, because I desire structure and framework and we did, I felt a little adrift. We both did. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We decided to have this life summit um, <laughs> meeting where we took a pen and pad to our favorite restaurant and got a four hour babysitter. And we <gasps> decided to write out the new tenants of our life and create a framework around which we would build the new phase of our life. Yep. And ethical non-monogamy was only one of those four or five pillars that we established, oh. but oh God, it was, it, it was a wonderful way to start over, create a new framework. Yeah. And in many ways, because we did it that way, our jump into <clears throat> swinging uh, was in many ways easier than other couples because we just Definitely. started life 2.0. Leaving the church was way, way, way scarier than becoming non-monogamous for us. We'd already done the hard thing. We'd already done the scary thing. Right. So we're like, we're going on dates with other people. That's nothing compared to telling your family that you're origin right story is no longer valid right we we knew that our relationship could withstand any weird or uncomfortable or you know strange experience and we could always change our mind so it was that was that was a smooth and easy transition for us compared to leaving the church which makes complete sense to me on paper uh, because just with the caveat that you know, like I said earlier, I've never tried a non-monogamy thing with anyone. Just I've never really had the opportunity, you know. Um, sure. And so you do the scariest thing of all, which is really, as I've said before, not just a faith crisis. It's an identity crisis. And yeah, then totally. everything's up for grabs at that point. So the right. the going out to dinner with the pad and paper and ethical non-monogamy being on that list was at what point after you left the church, Adam? Let's see that. Well, we, I had, so that conversation, yeah, that conversation happened in August and I left in November. (laughs) I forgot that. Because I, the, we're, we're very nuanced Mormons. If you want, well, you want to hear some nuance or justification yeah. depends how you view it. Is like you know the the commandment is to you know only have sexual relations with your lawfully wedded wife, and I'm like, well, I am. She's here. Yeah. I don't leave. Like when someone else and co- comes and joins us, when we have a threesome, I'm definitely having sexual relationships with my wife, and so like the. 
Uh, so anyway, for it, it didn't um, rattle me. He was on his way out, yeah, which clearly. is why it worked well, out. Yeah, right. I mean, that's just a, yeah. But anyway, the um, but the the origins to the ethical non-monogamy started many years before that. Um, what? So, yeah. Is are you ready? Yes. Are you ready please. for that story? Let's start there. Okay. And go. Great, great. So this maybe maybe five years ago, I went to a personal improvement seminar that my work sent me to that I okay. did not want to go. Oh yeah, more. He okay. thinks it's more like seven years ago. So like yeah. mid marriage. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And um, at this seminar, I came home committed to tell Eve this horrible secret I'd been carrying this thing that had been weighing me down that it just was eroding at my self-worth and so I sat her down and and said I have something really serious to tell you I think it's 50 50 that you'll leave me uh, but I'm willing to take that chance because I can't just mm -hmm. go on like this anymore and so I need to tell you that at times in our marriage I oh. have watched porn oh. <laughs> <laughs> And it was, I was <laughs> sobbing hysterically. Yeah. It was incredibly horrifying and, and very visceral. And <laughs> mm -hmm. she was wonderful mm -hmm. as she is and received my <laughs> confession very well. I was so, the way he set it up, I genuinely thought he was going to tell me that he had like a chronic illness or he had oh, cancer and was you dying. You didn't think affair. Like I was... No, I thought like he's dying. Like, we, even when our sex life sucked, we had a really good marriage. <laughs> you know, like, um, anyway, so he told me that he'd watched porn sporadically, and I was like, well, cool. Like, can I, can we do it together? Like, I've never Amazing. watched porn. Amazing. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Which was great. So she, we, we looked for some uh, quote unquote like female friendly porn or like couples porn, and God bless Pornhub. <laughs> what came up was a, a show a reality show on playboy tv called swing or sometimes called swing house and the basis of the show is they take f four or five couples who are well established in the lifestyle and then they bring into this they rent this huge house and they bring in a couple who is gonna considering trying it for the first time and they spend 24 hours getting to know each other and having their questions answered and then the new couple has the opportunity to uh, in, engage in swinging uh, with these experienced people. And there's many seasons of it. Thank God we watched them all. <laughs> and um, so we, as we're watching this porn that Eve has committed to watch with me to try to enhance our very broken sex life at <clears> the <throat> time, um, at first we're, we're kind of talking to each other like, Wow, these this is crazy. Gross, <laughs> right? <laughs> Super gross. He's hot. That'd still be gross. I mean, you'd never we'd never consider anything like this. This is insane. Let's watch another one. <clears throat> Hurry. Let's watch nine of them tonight. Okay, quick quick question to interject and then continue. But what what do you mean by broken yes. sex life? Like give me uh an idea of what that uh, means. Um, it means that I had absolutely 100% shut my entire sexuality down by the time I was yeah. you know, like 14 or whatever. 
So I had a ton of resentment. I had a ton, you know, just very much duty-based sex life. I had a lot of trauma around being touched. I got really uncomfortable with the concept of enjoying sexual experiences so we had not trauma in any sort of abuse no i'm sorry kind of yes That's no a no no specific no. word you're right no just just um reaction negative reaction or resentment or discomfort around touch being touched and uh thought sex you know i had good girl syndrome essentially right. that good girls don't do that and then all of a sudden you get married and you're expected to so i mean we just I never had an orgasm. I mean, I don't think I ever had one. We, our sex was very perfunctory, yes. obligatory, right. infrequent. Yeah, I mean, tale as old as time, right? It's, okay. It's nothing and unique, so, um, really, two but... questions. How often would you have sex on average? And second question is, even though you had all these issues, Eve, was was there anything about sex that you were into when you were actually having it? You know, there were, there were stretches and I don't know what it was that would somehow relax in my brain. There were moments in our marriage. I mean, a handful of moments where I would really enjoy myself or I would let my walls down and have a nice evening. Um, I, wanted to be sexual so badly I wanted to just be have wild and crazy and amazing connective sex and I just did not know how to and so I mean how often were we having sex I mean once every 10 days at the mo at the at best sometimes months. oh really I mean yeah in the good times it was like once every 10 days in this is this do you agree in the in the in the more traditional times it was probably like a couple times a month and, and in the good times means like for like 30 days while you're reading a okay. romance novel right if you like if, yeah i mean it was bad so there we, was we may have sex three okay. times in 30 days and, and then, that's good and then three sex time three sex three, times three sex times three sex, <laughs> three, three sex times over the next 150 days as things would yeah know, wax I mean, and wane. it was bad and any of the times that we did have a fun night where i put on lingerie and i you know went for yeah. it whatever that meant at the time i woke up the next day <gasps> horrified and embarrassed and ashamed and then of course after that it would be many many weeks before so adam like when again. you would have sex with eve um did she seem into it or did she just kind of lay there? Like what was your perception of her level of enjoyment? Yeah, this might be my Glennon Doyle untamed moment where I was like, isn't it supposed to be more beautiful than this? Yeah. You know, like the, this is the alleged um, seminal event between two married people in this exchange of intimacy and, it, I, I was aware that it wasn't that and I didn't have the language or the courage or the um, I don't the gumption sure. to acknowledge it to myself but the there was there was distance we were both and very so sad in between about it. copulation would there be <laughs> any type of intimate moments whether it was snuggling on the couch or 
Did you yes, kiss? Definitely Did you like yes. to kiss or hold hands? Yes. One of my favorite things would be to come home from church, lay on the couch. We had no kids and I'd lay down to watch golf and she'd lay on my chest and we'd just, she'd fall asleep and we'd just <sighs> hold each other. Like we, like We've that always was loved each other a lot. Yeah. We just oh. didn't know how to have good sex. Okay. And so yeah. the in-between sex, then there were moments of enjoying being physically close. And you never felt, yes, Eve, yeah, like, yeah, we, oh, no, he's okay. going to want to have sex and I don't want to. Okay. Oh, no, I felt that all <laughs> so the time. So then what was your, yeah. where was your, <laughs> like, unspoken boundary or maybe spoken, but what was your boundary with physical, non-sexual intimacy in those times? Um, you know, I definitely was never comfortable with giving or receiving oral. Um. I don't know much more. I mean, it was the very much like, off, the yeah, the lights are off. You're wearing your yeah, covers. But my question is like, on. what non-sexual moments did, did physical contact oh, sure. become uncomfortable for you because you thought it might lead to sex? Can, can I okay, take a yeah. stab at that? Cause I think I know. Yeah. Making me. out. Yeah. Like, so massages, I would like, try to pick my spots you know <laughs> and so we'd be holding each other on the couch like I described and then maybe I start like kissing her neck and starting to like rub my hand down her thigh and yeah. try to send those nonverbal cues and in hopes that I you know if you, you know you can't catch a fish if you don't cast your line like I'm here I <laughs> wow. go I'm gonna try and um and then she had gotten skillful in body language you know where she would turn or kind of push put my hand more be up more on her shoulder and I would get the message so like, then That's not back happening. to that dinner with the pen and paper is that still where you were <laughs> Eve sexually so how no. did you evolve from that no uh, so the we had been working on our sex life for many several years in by what, then. And working on um, in what way? Like going to therapy or yes. So a couple of things happened. I think the the number one most important seminal change was I discovered Jennifer Finlayson Fife. No, I'm writing you're familiar it down. with her. She is a dream. She is a Mormon sex therapist, and. I just saw her name on my Facebook page one day and looked her up and we just absolutely dove into everything that she had. And we had previously very, very, I mean, maybe a few weeks before I found her, we'd had a conversation where we were both kind of like, are you happy with this part of our life? And we both <laughs> clearly said no and had started trying to come up with some ideas on how to start healing that part of our marriage and then, you know, I had a tender mercy and I found Jennifer Fife. And so um, I started listening to every podcast she'd ever spoken on. I started taking her online courses. I went to a, a weekend retreat with a couple of girlfriends and spent a weekend with her. Uh, and she is the reason that we got we got better. I don't know. We we had the language to discuss our cultural, you know, our, the, what the church did to my sex yeah. life. We had the language for that. We had the language to talk through what we wanted and what we were afraid of and 
And that really turned everything around for us. Things started to get a lot better. Is she still currently that. Mormon? Just There's... by the way. Interesting. Yes. She is. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. She is. There is no way to describe. No. To, we cannot overstate how influential her voice was while we were Orthodox Mormons struggling with our sexuality. In the arc of our life, when our biography is written, there will be her oh, names wow. in the opening paragraph. Yeah. It, I mean, it is a, it, it is a critical turning she, I point. I literally feel like she saved our marriage. She, so, she changed everything. So we joke, yeah. you ask if we had therapy and we would tell people like we did just via okay. podcasts. Uh, yeah, podcasts and, and live that's you know, workshops and stuff, but that's it's not in I mean person. that's fucking fair. It's doing and... the work. There's not just yeah. one way to do the work. Yeah. And well, you know, so. I think it was paired with we had the the, the language from Jennifer Finlayson Fife and then Adam went to that seminar, that personal seminar thing that he had to go to for his work that gave him the courage to tell me about his horrible yeah. occasional porn watching. <clears throat> and those two things gave us what we needed to, to have the courage to start a new chapter. Okay. So by the time we need to take a break, but I want to clarify by the time you had the sit down at the restaurant with pen and paper, your sex life was yes. already on the upswing. Yeah, I would say that was probably almost four years later. Yeah, we've done okay. a lot four or of work. five years later. We've done a lot of work, like a lot of painful, right. slow going right. work. Okay, and it had worked. Let's take a. So I would, I, I would just our sex life was like a seven out of ten, maybe six out of ten, six. five out of ten at, at the at dinner, like, at the dinner date. <laughs> yes, the, the time of the dinner, we maybe had got it from a one and a half up to a <laughs> six five I mean, and a half or six. when yeah. that's all you know it feels like a 10 i'm sure yeah it, it felt pretty okay, damn let's, good <laughs> let's take a break and when we come back we'll okay. talk Great. about where you went from there okay be right back okay. Hello again. Hello. So I just want to say that your openness and your honesty and your ability to articulate things is really astounding to me. And thank you very much. Well, that's incredibly oh, kind. So nice. Thank you. Thank and I think that there will be a lot of couples that will end up messaging either myself or, or Brother Coffee saying, oh, my God, thank you for that episode. Um well, that's wonderful. And on that note, I mean, we are happy to be um, a resource to people. Uh, yeah, if people have questions, yeah. we can provide our uh, yeah appropriate email address and things like that. Awesome. Oh, thank you for that as well. Great. Cool. That's awesome because we get questions like that all the time. Um, okay, so, so you put ethical non-monogamy on the list or whether you just put non-monogamy on the list where do you go from the, like where the fuck do you go from there <laughs> go to mexico <laughs> you either go to jamaica or mexico i'm sorry <laughs> good question so that was such a good setup and you didn't even mean to I... <laughs> 
so one half step back let me just say as we're watching the 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 swing reality reality show show, yeah and you're like ooh, gross whatever yeah Yeah. so yeah and then we're starting to hold space that that's not crazy um eve in a moment of honesty and and disclosure says hey you know of all the things that don't feel super crazy to me here um the thing I'm noticing I like the most is that I, I think I might be attracted to women. And I was like, yeah, well, I mean, me too. Same. So <laughs> I get it. You make <laughs> boobs are amazing. You are making the right choice. Um, and so that led to a number of years before the, the dinner meeting where non-monogamy served as a, a pillow talk situation where we would talk about which celebrities we would want to bring in and um in nice. that sort of safe way or and then that evolved to being like hey i think the waitress is cute and he being like me too oh and, my god and so we started to get and a little then, more honest and then we found that there of course as there are are just a countless slew of podcasts that right. talk about non-monogamy in all varieties okay so we listened to, you know, 20,000 hours of podcasts. And so while really quick, while you're on this topic, name out two or three that you would suggest. We um, got a thing. Yep. We got a thing. With, with Mr. and Mrs. Jones and okay. Swinger Diaries with Pen and Page. Pen and Page. You okay. Go to the beginning okay. and just start at the front. And those are not necessarily my favorite podcasts, but they are probably the best at the intro- concept of introducing people into the lifestyle. Gotcha. Perfect. Okay. Yep. So we, by the time we sit down at dinner, we have spent quite a while chatting openly about, you know, in fantasy land about swinging with people. We've listened to a ton of podcasts. And so by the time we sit down and we say, all right, are we going to try this or not? <laughs> it was a fairly easy yes for both of us even though adam was still for all intents and purposes active mormon church active yeah yeah that that's weird now that we're saying it this way <laughs> i forgot that part of it but yeah it didn't slow us down which is okay. i think proof that he was not actually still believing anything but just trying to hold on to the you know he had a he had a lot of uh People yeah. really liked him in the church. He had a lot of validation. And I think it's hard to walk away from that. Like that doesn't. I was reticent to give up my influence. Yeah. Uh... Well, and your identity. And oh, well, this... and, I, and I would ask his influence was positive. He was making a really positive influence for, you know, more open-minded, nuanced perspectives within Mormonism. So I appreciated his sticking with it. But yeah, it is funny when you say it that way. Yeah. I mean, I was still going. <laughs> So we joke about Mexico and Jamaica. So let, let's oh, yeah. let me close the loop on that. Yeah. Oh, so oh it, right. Oh my God. Saying, we just skimmed right over that. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so there are, there are lifestyle resorts in the world that are dedicated exclusively to swingers. <gasps> um, and one of them is called Desire in Cancun. There's two. There's Desire Riviera Maya and Desire Pearl. And then the other is called Hedonism, which is in Negril, Jamaica. <laughs> And um, so what we uh, we had known about this because we had been listening to these podcasts. So we knew about their existence. And um, when we sat down and said, OK, it's it's going to be on the table. Let's give it a try. The decision we made 
was really let's go to desire. We're, we're like, let's book a trip and kind of go and wade in and we don't have to do anything. Let's just observe and watch and, and kind of dip our toes in a little bit and see what this is like. So um, we, that's the decision we made that night. We're like, let's just go to desire and see what happens. Mm -hmm. So this conversation we're happen having is happening in August and we book the trip for January in between in the interim. Um, we're, we think, well, Hey, you know, we should maybe try to get online and get to know some people that might be going the same week as us. So that when we get there, we have some familiar faces. Oh my God. So there are just like there's match.com and okay. Cupid for, for monogamy. <clears throat> There are a number of websites, dating websites for people in the lifestyle. And so we made an account on Cassidy uh, and we set up, we posted our pictures and we wrote our profile and we put in all our things just like you would on any dating website. And uh, with the intention of just meeting people that were going to be at Desire with us. But it turns out as soon as we put up our profile, we started getting uh, messages and likes and flirts. Um, from people in our area and we thought well you know what the hell let's let's go on a couple dates and and see what we can learn and maybe we can glean some wisdom from these people who have been doing it oh my god and so we go on some dates and um it just dinner only you know and we tell people like we're we're brand new and we're we're you know we're just happy to meet for drinks and dinner and those go well, and it gives us more things to talk about and, and gives us uh, uh, some, uh, some experience under our belt. And then for um, our anniversary, Eve surprises me and takes me to – we live in kind of a small town, um, uh, but we live right between two major metropolitan areas that are both several hours away. Okay. Um, so she surprises me and takes me to one of these, these big cities – and takes us to there's also lifestyle clubs so where <laughs> swingers go to dance and drink and meet and they have rooms available where if you meet someone that you like that you you can as we say play which oh is a bit God. of a weird word oh you can play God. on premises uh -huh. and so um no. go to the club and we realize which is this is one of the points we really want to make that people in the lifestyle are just regular people and you kind of alluded to it earlier with uh, Dr. Seymour Hoffman. That <laughs> we're everywhere. Swingers are everywhere. We are. We are your non-Mormon swingers are oh, everywhere. We, we are your nurses. We are your <laughs> teachers. We are your firefighters. We are your grocery clerks. They're, we're yeah. everywhere. So we go to this lifestyle club, and just there's just regular people there, and it was really disarming in a good way. Mm -hmm. um, so. Uh, that's a long way of connecting the dots to Mexico. We ended up not waiting until our January trip to to dip our toes in, but um, went on some dates, uh, met some people at the clubs, and uh, eventually um, started fucking other people. <laughs> okay, and here we are, <laughs> and here and here you are. So, okay, the first, what, what did you did you go to Mexico? Yes. yes. And We've when since was been that? to Jamaica. They're both great. But okay. We went to Mexico um, in January of 2019. 2019. Oh, shit. Yeah. So 
not even a year and a half ago. Well, maybe almost a year and a half ago. Coming up on a year and a half ago. Yeah. And here's what I want to hear. I want to hear from both of you what your first ex- experience was like sexually. Your first sexual experience was like with someone other than your spouse. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> we're making sure we're on the same page about what that means. I was making sure that I just whispered to him to make sure we were going to talk about the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say I had, I have the joy of getting to have two sexual experiences to every one of his. Um, so, well, not every not woman every in single... the lifestyle is by whatever, but damn near all of them. Okay. That's, that's true. They just don't know it yet. It's fine. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> Um, so my first real experience was with a woman. It was a couple, but I started playing with her. Right. And that was, how does one explain <laughs> what the that English was? English language lacks. <laughs> There's not the right words. The adjectives. Yeah. I mean, describe. it was just like just everything profound. else in the room. Every, like the two men were just sitting there. And we were like, yeah, we just, you just stay over there for a little while, please. It was a, un, I don't know. I'm, I'm, this is how it was. Cause I have no words. It was amazing. Yes. It was just everything else in the room went fuzzy and I was so present and I had this unbelievable experience with this lovely, fun, amazing <sighs> woman. And it felt like it was just always supposed to be oh it felt so right. <laughs> And, oh my God. Me, and know, it was startling. It's a little cliche. Like, so I'm observing this and I'm, and I'm, of course I love seeing my beautiful wife with another beautiful woman, right? Oh That's sort of this classic frat boy way of thinking. So that, I mean, it was amazing for me, but what the real moment I remember for, well, I remember many things from that night, but one of the <laughs> lasting memories was when I first saw her kiss the husband because up to this point, I didn't know how I would actually feel in that moment, right? One of the questions we get a lot is like, what about jealousy? Oh, yeah. Right? Of course. And That's so why I'm terrified. Yeah. Okay. It was really wonderful <gasps> for me to see her with him and to feel the peace and the calm and the happiness for her. I just, I felt nothing but joy for her. And I was so happy that that experience I thought I would have based on my podcast and all the talking we'd done about it ended up being true. And the, the way I talk about this is I had a a shift before we started doing this, where I realized and saw Eve as her own autonomous individual sexual being and that her sexuality existed without me and has that I am just privileged to be able to enjoy her sexuality as much as I do, but it is not about me or in the context of me. I have no right to it. It is not, it is hers to do with as she pleases. Right. No, you don't have ownership over it. You don't have say. Right. No. She is at choice every day about who she engages and gives access and involves in her sexuality. And I'm extremely grateful at how frequently and how generously <laughs> it includes me. Oh but my God. I, I recognize that it is to, to see it utilized in a context outside of me and to see her as that 
autonomous sexual being was really uh, in, in a weird way empowering for me. Oh my God. Because I realized and became even more in gratitude about how often we get to, to do that thing together. Jesus. And so that was a wonderful, that first night was, was really wonderful. It was great. And on many levels. And this is just too fucking good to be true. I feel like my phone's going to explode and kill me. <laughs> like any I'm glad second. it's working for you. I, I, I'm just floored by the maturity of this all for you guys. And that, um, there was this sense, there's the sense of autonomy being a thing in the first place. Right. Right. You know what I mean? We just, we took our preparation, if that's the right way to say it, really seriously. And like, we, like a temple prep class. Right. Exactly. <laughs> where you get just all the information that's not helpful. <laughs> right. And we engaged in the handshakes and when it mattered most. And then we did the handshakes <laughs> and the symbols. With the uh, penis. Handshaking the, the penis. The penis symbols. They're uh, the ones. God, uh, I love handshaking a penis. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. I, we, I think we just took it, our preparation really seriously so that we, we were emotionally very ready when we finally went for it. And we were able to just have a really <coughs> lovely experience. Uh, we're, we're talking like, le- like, it was fucking hot. Like, let's, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> let's not get right. too poetic here. Like, it was lights. I mean, it, it was amazing. It was crazy. So, okay. So fun. Um, all right. I'm like super turned on right now. So, um, okay. I want to talk about jealousy as a separate topic, but before sure. we get to how you guys navigate, navigated that, I want to hear about Adam's first time being with someone else. Sure. Yeah. So same night. Okay. Right. So, um, I feel really lucky that this woman was, uh, firecracker she was confident and i mean she was she was a tiny person but she was mighty in, yeah. in sexuality well, she was very and, confident and even still after a couple of years of doing this I, I mean you can't take all the mormonism out of the boy like i am Mm-mm. you know like extremely like consent conscious and very like slow <laughs> to make a move and like i i don't want to put anyone in an awkward situation and i so i needed her that was in that night to be like, get over here, Adam. Like, yeah. this is about to be good for you. And Whoa. so she, um, what brought the energy and the validation of I me, mean, she was very complimentary and she uh, just blew my mind in both like the sexual experience of it, but also as I alluded to earlier, there was like dinner had gone so well earlier and we had, connected and I felt drawn to her I felt attracted to her I had some level of caring about her and and so it was um it was wonderful and again I had been to church on Sunday and would be going the next Sunday (laughs) and I was struck in the moment at how not wrong it was that is what I remember I was like this is not what I was told growing up I do not feel a darkness and an emptiness I feel fulfilled and and strong and connected and attractive and i feel like a good person like I, it struck me 
that this was not wrong. Right. 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 And so she says, Adam, get over here. Like, was it kind of like that? Yeah. God bless I her. Mean, yeah. <laughs> we, she and I spent a significant amount of time together and then we were kind of like, well, I guess we should include those. Other <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> and so we were like, all right, you guys can come over. <laughs> so that's actually what happened. <laughs> and so your first encounter was with this other woman then, Adam. Yes. And I mean, so it was the four of us, her husband was there. right. But yeah, that, that was my, that was my first moment. Okay. Um, and did you both wake up the next morning and go, holy fuck, or was it not as big of a deal the next morning as you thought it would be? I think Great it was question. a pretty big deal, but we also were like doing, we were high-fiving big time. <laughs> you love it. So yeah. I, I feel like I remember feeling surprised at what, like, it didn't feel like a big deal for me to be with her at all. It felt amazing. Mm-hmm. It did feel like a big deal for me to be with him. And I was much more in my head and I had a far less positive experience with him. It wasn't bad, but right. that was a more impactful uh, experience as far as like, whoa, that I just did that. That was a whoa. Right. When but you had we, another dick in one of your holes. Yes. Correct. Yeah. yeah. But we did still do some very serious high fives. We had never had better sex with each other. Oh, this, this is the high point. This is a really important takeaway. Yes. So listen to this point. Uh, the best part, absolute best part of being in this lifestyle for us has been that my sex life, mine and Adam's sex life has absolutely gone through the, like when we were like a, maybe a six, we're at like a 15 now. Like it is the best. And the more you have sex with other people, weirdly, the more fun it is to come home to your person, to your safe space and to the, the place you trust and the place you have the most fun. And it's just, it's never, we've never looked back. This is an important point. (laughs) We've had threesomes, foursomes, fivesomes, sixsomes, moresomes. And the, the 50 best sexual experiences of our life are me and Eve together one-on-one that there's without question of all those group sex experiences that, but none of them would have been possible without venturing into the lifestyle and exploring our sexuality in this other context. And so, and this first night was an example of that. We had a great time with that couple. And then we had an amazing, uh, like transcendent time together. together. So to answer your original question, yeah, we woke up in the morning like, whoa, fuck yeah, that was amazing. High fives. And also then we like went to breakfast and we were, I remember right. being struck of like, you know, well, on we go. Yeah. Like the, that was fun. That was fun. Like yeah. that, that was so like they were, it was simultaneously amazing. And we were like, well, that's, that's great. Like that's a fun did, hobby. Did yeah. you go to breakfast with the couple or just no? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and life goes on, and then you start talking about the kids again, and then, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's like, I remember for a long time saying this to Eve a lot, I'm like, I just can't believe how, like, normal this feels, like, yeah. how, like, this is just... Not as big of a deal as we thought it was going to be. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> this is really exciting, like, I feel really excited, I feel like I've got a lot of hope for having a a successful long-term partner because everybody wants that. Right. I think we're biologically wired to have absolutely a person that we build 
hearth and home with and we can share uh, our thoughts with and that see us at our worst and our best, but they're still there. Right. But it's not, our whole world isn't just that. No. Right. Right. It, it, yeah. It makes the hearth and home part feel to me much more special. Yeah. And like, that's, I feel like the great lie of the Christian rhetoric is like, yeah. well, if you share this with someone else, then it's not special. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> that is not true. Like, just bullshit. It is the it's exact opposite bullshit. that by yeah. sh- in the experience of sharing ourselves with other people, we find a deeper and more meaningful connection with, with each, each other. other. And, and so the rearing of the kids and the paying of the bills becomes infinitely more sustainable and under this broader context of sharing and expanding ourselves with other people and realizing that, and this touches on your notion of jealousy, that like this person could choose anything else or anyone else at any time. Uh-huh. I've, seen, I've seen her have an experience last weekend with another person. And what, who did she come home to? Who did she decide to be with? Me. Yeah. And that is incredibly valid. And it's, yeah, I mean, just to go a little bit further on that, it has become, we, we've never been closer. We've never been more connected. We've never been more communicative. And we've never just had more like fucking fun together. And, <laughs> you know, we want to, we always want to hang out. You know, I, I feel like I have girlfriends that are like, well, let's like, let's get away from our husbands. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm <laughs> my husband's fucking rad. <laughs> you know, like we're just the concept of ever leaving each other because of an experience we've had in the space or meeting someone in the space is so laughable because it has what it, it is what has brought us so close. It's what's connected us so deeply that I have, yeah, that, you know, that's it. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So, okay. So I do want to ask about moments of jealousy. Have you had them and, and, and how communicative are you in the moment? you know, how is that navigated? Do you ever feel threatened, et cetera? Yes. Uh, Yeah, that's a really, really valid question. Classic question. And I know that a lot of people struggle with jealousy. I think jealousy is a part of doing (laughs) non-monogamy and you have to be okay to know that that will rear its head occasionally. Okay. I am kind of a weird example because i don't really have the jealousy gene i'm not sure why okay um i have had a few very small moments of ooh, that person he might be having more fun than me right now and that's lame or but i but i genuinely feel I don't know. I don't, I don't feel jealous. So the cliche jealousy has not really been a thing for you. It has not been for me. There have been moments where I've had to check myself and then remind myself like, no, this is what we want to do. This is fun. Okay. But it's been very small. So I'm going to let Adam answer that. He might have a little more to say. Okay. Yeah. So a couple things. So to me, jealousy is based in fear. It is a fear-based emotion, largely around I think this person, I think my partner will leave me if, if she has sex with that woman or that man, right. 
And that fear if is, yeah, that level of insecurity, I honor that it exists in some, in many relationships and it exists, I guess, on some level in all of our hearts, we carry that fear, but it, it just doesn't have any merit. There's not in our context, right. it, the notion that Eve is going to leave behind all that we have and all that we've built because someone with a bigger dick gets <laughs> her a good time is like ludicrous on its face and doesn't really even merit a rational discussion. It's just me needing to be say like, well, that guy's got a way bigger dick than me. Uh, well, I hope I'm like, damn, good for her. I hope she has a great time. Right. Please. Uh, so, something I will add though, is that I, I while I don't genuinely, generally experience jealousy in the traditional sense, I sometimes feel the need to be extra connected to Adam and often that presents itself not in the sexual sense because we're we're solid there but you know will you come lay with me on the couch will you come put your arms around me i want to just be close to you right now because i am for some reason i'm feeling after that experience i'm feeling more distant from you than i want to be uh-huh uh-huh um but i think that for us the general takeaway from any of those feelings that come jealousy or insecurity you know, there's a lot of bodies involved in this. You can certainly have a body moment where you're not secure in that. Whatever it is that presents itself is just saying it out loud to your person. Like, oh, I'm noticing myself feeling insecure about my body right now. Like, can you just come be with me? Whether that's on a random day of the week or literally in the moment and with another couple and saying, I'm going to go spend a few minutes with my partner. Yeah. And just reconnecting with that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that generally takes care of those, just acknowledging <clears throat> the feeling that you're having and communicating it. So w- I, I like how you said just, um, sorry, when you just saying the thing out loud mm-hmm. that you need at the moment. This right? is a huge tool for us. Uh, like name, sometimes name I think for most people, there's the fear of saying the thing and that fear is greater than when you just say the thing. Definitely, yes. And for us, saying the thing almost always dispels most of that thing's power. Amazing. By just getting it out and hearing the words of me saying to myself, hey, that guy's got a huge cock. Are you going to leave <laughs> me for him? Is, and then you say it and you're like, okay, yeah, no, I, I recognize you're not. You're yeah. Not. <laughs> but just like getting it out. Yes. That's I mean, that's a that's a dramatic example to, you know, like that sure. we will leave each other or something, but even just like, are you going to not enjoy having sex with me as much after you get rocked by that huge cock? Right. Right. Or, or you were just with someone who had a completely different personality or income right. or to just say like, wow, body type. I just watched you have a really good time. I don't know what I'm feeling, but I'm feeling something like, how are, how are you? So yeah, let me speak to that. And Eve alluded to this. So, so one reason that jealousy doesn't take hold in us is this thing I'm talking about, that it, it's based in fear and that fear is usually not rational or founded in anything. Exactly, real. yeah. The other thing is distinguishing yeah. between f- jealousy and envy. So Eve mentioned like, sometimes I'll look over and the connection between her and one of her partners is better than the connection I'm having with my new partner. Okay. And- I think that gets mistaken as jealousy when in, for me, it is really envy. Like 
wow, they're having a great time. I wish I was having as good of time as that. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so instead of feeling resentment and anger towards Eve, I, I feel happy. I reframe that and go, no, that's great. That's what I want. She's having an amazing time. Um, Just stop it. Stop and, it. Yeah. And then say for myself, <laughs> like what I'm also like, look where I am. Like, this is so incredible. I'm having a great time. What can I engage in that feels meaningful? So there's, so most of the time I feel anything, it's usually envy. And then that's offset by a, a made up lifestyle word we use called compersion. Yes. And, and you, I think, yeah, you guys have talked about that. Which we have. Compersion is, yeah, the, it is the antithesis of jealousy. It is, it is the joy you get from seeing your partner pleasured or enjoying someone else. And, and I'm grateful that that is the feeling I have overwhelming percentage of the time. God damn. So I expected to hear some really heavy stories about navigating jealousy from you guys, (laughs) because you are the first couple that we've interviewed. Um, And I guess the jealousy narrative isn't something that I've talked about with other couple friends that I have who participate in some type of non-monogamy. I'm just more floored by like, okay, who have you done? How many people? You know? <laughs> right. Sure. Um, but so what I want to ask now is, is, and, and I want you to go deep. All right. <laughs> and, and I'm sure that won't be typical for you. Um, but what do you attribute that to the, for both of you, jealousy not really being that big of a thing what do you attribute that to great question i don't know that we have thought of that i I... have an idea but let's see if i can express because i i think it's worth saying that like jealousy is a thing for people we are it is we have very close friends that it's something that they work on a lot so it is a thing for some people okay um and let me say while you think of that thought the moments that I've had jealousy, so the classic moments are like in the bedroom moments. And I've kind of joked and alluded to that. The, the actual moments that I've, when jealousy has tr- trickled in has been like when she's texting a, uh, the male half of a couple, like, I'm like, hey, we're just trying to watch John Oliver here. Like, that's <laughs> special to me, you know? And Don't fuck with our John Oliver. <laughs> Who are you fucking texting? You know, like, oh, that guy again. Yeah. And so it's it's the those sort of more human day-to-day moments. Sure. Where we've had we've communicated and set boundaries. Okay. Uh, and named the feeling. Like, you know what? For some reason right now, like I just want you to watch John Oliver with me. Could you wrap that up? And right. it, and so we're not immune to it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I'm going to make this up a little bit and you tell me if you feel like I'm on the right track. (laughs) I think a part of why we don't have a lot of jealousy issues is because we have done a massive amount of work on communicating in our marriage that started long, long, long before we decided to do non-monogamy. Okay. It started when we got brave and honest with each other about the things we were unhappy with in our marriage. It started, you know, and it evolved from there, talking about leaving the church, changing our sex life. What do we, what makes us happy? How do we make that happen? And getting really brave and honest with each other. We have, you know, 
almost a decade of practice being really, really vulnerable with each other. And that was really, really hard work. Yeah. And there's no number of hours that we, that I could say that like how much time we've put into that. So I think be, that has something to do with it, that we have spent so much time working through feelings with each other that it's easy for us to name the feelings when they arise before they develop into jealousy. I want to just add to this 100% amen to that. Uh, also not being articulated here is the quality of the relationships of the people we're dating. Yes. So yes. when people were, one of the things that matters most to us is the strength of the relationship of the other party. And um, like you joked earlier about like some people try to use swinging to save their marriage. Cause you know, like yeah. we, we work hard to text and email and identify those. And that's, we try to stay away from that. And so we have a pretty good process where the people we meet are like us. They right. are rock solid. Mm -hmm. They've done the work. They are so overtly, obviously in love with each other. Yeah. That, that is a huge antidote to the Absolutely. notion of jealousy for me being like, these people point. love each other. They don't, they're not, he's not going to leave his awesome wife who he loves for Eve either. Mm -hmm. And so it, it just, um, it just doesn't ever really take root in the moment because the people, once you've arrived at that point uh, to be on the date, most people have done this level of work or have arrived at a right relationship that it's just jealousy isn't uh it just doesn't seem applicable in the moment. Right. You've done the work of vulnerability and communication. That right. isn't something you just take a quick class on and you're done. Like you have done lots and lots and lots of talking and listening and doing the work. However, that looks like I said earlier, it doesn't have to be with a, a, a therapist, you know, when you sit right. down with them, that's it, man. <laughs> like right good work it's a work worth doing it's a work worth doing it's the communication the vulnerable communication it, yes and then from there who, who who the fuck knows where you can go um so god jesus christ uh i'm just in awe i'm in awe also um, <laughs> i feel like we're making ourselves sound like we're just really good at this and we're just really amazing like we're just not we're just <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to make her yeah. sound like we've no. like mastered we, this thing. Look, it's, look, I get that shit. like that like the 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 key to the success that I'm hearing is that you both accept that you're human beings, aka fucked up. Yeah. yeah well said. Yes. Yeah, that is a good segue into you know that I was going to say we do have our own challenges within this space. I my specific challenge I feel like has been learning to first listen to my voice that's telling me what I do or do not more specifically do not want and then using that voice, you know, saying it aloud. I have had a lot of had to practice a lot. Sure. Um trusting my voice, trusting myself when I know I don't want to do something rather than going along with it because it's easier than making an uncomfortable situation. <laughs> oh, and no. I have gotten myself into some situations that left me feeling less than thrilled because I didn't want to say, nope, I'm all set. Right. 
So that's been my big challenge, you know, and a lot of people are super confident and have no problem with that. So everyone has their things. Sure. And I just want to say that if you, if, if I'm giving you the impression that I'm putting you on a pedestal, which I, I am, I mean, I am, <laughs> um, because you are doing a thing that I have not done yet. Um, and, 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 a really, it sounds like a really constructive way, um, yeah. that, that there are other people who will listen. There are gentle listeners who will listen, who won't have the same reactions I do. Um, right. these are my reactions. Cause I'm really excited about the notion that one day I could do this. Yes. with I'm someone you. yeah and um and that it's not just because right now I've only I I preach I can only speak to how monogamy doesn't work I can't sure. speak to how non-monogamy does even though that's what you would assume the argument of monogamy not working means that well it must mean that non-monogamy works but right. it's not that it's not that simple until you've done it, until you've had the conversations, you've done the work. I mean, Jesus. So, uh, so I, I just, I do want to applaud you and acknowledge that I am really um, in admiration of you. But at the same time, I get that to get where you are, you live in a real world where you realize we're two human beings who will make mistakes and we right. just, all we do is navigate those. Correct. And it's the grace and the resilience with which we navigate the mistakes that, you know, makes or breaks the whole journey. Uh, Cause it's not going to be without its, its um, pitfalls. Right. And, and I think it's worth noting too, and we forgive me if we've already said this, but I think it's important to note that this is a constantly evolving process our comfort level with things ebbs and flows on a almost daily basis. Mm -hmm. And so it, it is a lot of, it is a lot of communication and you know, I don't want to say it's a lot of work because it's fun work and we love it and we aren't, but it, it does take time and mental energy because it's a constantly evolving thing. You know, like we talked about consent is ongoing and right. things it's even within the moment, something that sounds great five minutes later might no longer sound great. And so it is something that is constantly evolving and changing. And that is, you have to be committed to it. Right. You both have to allow space for that reality. Yes. yes. That yes. fluidity. Correct. Yeah. So let's take another break and then we'll come back for our last segment. And I will ask like, is there anything else you want to include that I have not asked you about? And then um, we will do the five questions, but I, I don't want to do the, the five questions until you both feel like you have said or expressed or shared experiences that, that you had hoped to share. So we'll take a break and then we'll come back with that. Is it Adam and Eve? It is. Hello. Oh my gosh. Hey, we missed you. <laughs> okay. So I've kept you up late, but I don't want you to feel rushed. But if you want to quickly wrap up, then then you kind of set the pace. Um, but it, what other thoughts do you have left that you feel like you need to share to feel whole? Whole. Full? Yeah. Like, like completely full? So filled. 
totally filled. <laughs> I want to be filled. Okay. Filled up. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, the final thought that I think I want to share is that something that has been really lovely for me in the lifestyle is I've been able to experiment with things that I would not have been brave enough to try on within my, particularly in my monogamous marriage, you know, so I could step out into an experience with someone else and experiment with a kink or a fetish or a fantasy. And if I don't like it, I can just leave it there. Mm. And then if I like it, I can bring it home with us. And so it has really expanded the type and variety of sex that um, Adam and I have in really delightful ways. So yeah, cheers to that. I agree with that. The one thing I would (laughs) add in conclusion is again, yeah, I hope that we didn't, we certainly didn't intend to come across too philosophical or transcendentalist or anything. No, no, I don't think you did. I don't think you did. Great. I just want to add that it's fucking hot. It's and fun. It is (laughs) just a good time. (laughs) Like it's not all about the sex for us, but like the sex part's pretty fucking great. And the things you can do with three or four or five other people and the the energy and the sound and the vibe in the room to just be able to engage with safe trusted people who are like-minded is like it's a fucking rad hobby there's just nothing else like it you know so just on the totally physical like shallow side let's not forget that really important detail there are good looking people out there who want (laughs) to get down it is great it's a good time and and we have genuinely made some of our like closest, best lifelong friends. They come over to our house. We have barbecues with the kids. And then we have weekends in or weeks in Jamaica. So, you know, Lord Jesus, it's just the best way to live. <laughs> in Jesus name, we pray. <laughs> so Eugene Kendrick, our Lord and Savior. Right. So quick advice for those people who might not be able to afford to go and and get their start in another country, which feels great because it's in another country. (laughs) They're safe. Yeah, it's a bit safer. So what advice do you have for those people who can't do that? Yeah, and you're right. It is can be cost prohibitive. And that is a a bummer. Um, Yeah. The good news is there's freaky people in your neighborhood. I promise. Swear to God, I believe it. Hell yeah. yeah. So if you, there, there's um, a number of different websites. Um, it, we live in the West. And so Cassidy um, uh, with a K. Cassidy with a K, uh, SLS. Yeah, which stands for swing. Um, it doesn't matter. It's I just think. SLS.com. Yeah. Um, adult, adult friend finder. Yeah. Double date nation. These are all um, websites that if you make a profile, you, you, you will, will find, get a date. You will find a date. <laughs> so, okay. For let, let's let's do a hypothetical. Okay, <laughs> there is this guy that lives directly across the street from me. He's married. Um, and he is fucking hot. <laughs> is there like a code word I could say to find out if they are non-monogamous? That's funny. There is like historically like yeah. uh, these cultural relics that if you have like flamingos in your front yard, you're <laughs> upside. <laughs> pineapples upside down pineapples are <gasps> um That's fantastic. but the if there's one that holds any merit it's a black ring on your right ring finger which we wear oh so shit. i also think it's you not could universal go, by I, any means it's no, not a perfect no way. storm 
I think you could go up to him though and say, "If I say Cassidy, what do you say?" <laughs> okay. I think that would do it. That is, would be a. Is there a thing that like single people would do or say or wear to let them know that that they're down to to play with couples? <sighs> no, not with any universal. Okay. Yeah, like, like within I the wish. lifestyle, you mean? I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people on Tinder, like, you know, who will say ethically, you know, right. but a lot of people will be like, I'm married. My wife knows I'm interested Tinder for, sucks. you know, so that can, that can happen. But usually the, the safer way is one of these websites that does cost money mm-hmm. if you get a certification, which is good. So someone at the website <clears throat> verifies that you are you. Like does a screening or. Yeah. yeah exactly. you, have to... you have to send a picture of something specific with the date. Mm-hmm. And, that. Um, and then those people have paid some that, so at least there's some barrier to entry, which is good. And um, there are a number of single people on those websites. Um, and they, Oh yeah. The website's great. You can, you have pictures and you get to control whether there's a... someone sees your face or not. And then you okay. can at least pictures of your face. Um, if you want to mm-hmm. there's also couples have validated other couples or single people to say like we met them you know these people were great and oh wow um reviews it creates a real a sense of safety rather than back in the day like posting a craigslist you know <laughs> in your address and you know there's some safety issues and challenges with that the right. websites are a great way to go doesn't okay. Utah have its own specific oh, swing, website? Swingular, if yeah. you're in Utah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, no, I wish. I wish. Now I everyone knows. Now we all know. I think that I would say for anyone who is actually interested in starting talking about this or dabbling in this, start with the podcast. Start listening. See what you think. And you'll get some ideas from that. And mm-hmm. they'll give you material to talk about with your partner or whatever and perfect yeah I just think that lot of attraction stuff like whatever you're looking for is also looking for you right and so that it's probably not that hard we're not rocking science if you can't go to the thing in Mexico you know no it's not and and there is something that happens when you start in this world you swingers give off a vibe (laughs) and you can start to spot them places like you can spot Mormons when you're a Mormon. Right. It's and like a, you, you identify somehow. You do. And you just sort of attract people. Like I have managed to pick up some friends in the very regular real life just by being a little more flirtatious than normal people. Fuck yeah. yes! Yeah. So I think that's so fantastic. It's, it's real fun it's when a she good brings, time. When she <laughs> from the gym, that's a real win. That's oh fun. Oh my God. It's a good time. Yeah. Everybody wins. So good. Okay. <laughs> All right. The five questions, if you guys are ready. Let's do it. So ready. All right. I don't remember what they are. <laughs> okay. I don't we, remember. So Brother Coffee typically does them in an order. So I, them. I don't know the order, though. Oh, but the order might be wrong. Great. Great. Let's not do that. Then, okay. So the first question that comes to my mind is if this topic for you guys could be a cocktail what would it be called and what would be in it i feel like it would be called a cum shot (laughs) and (laughs) it would be gin an egg white and some pineapple shaken over ice and then you just gotta take it right down the hatch (laughs) that is my favorite 
favorite one ever. That is so dirty. That so- is so dirty and well done. Perfect. Delicious. Uh, it Adam, sounds good do you though, have right? Separate, do you have a separate cocktail, Adam? Uh, no, I'm not going to attempt that, That's great. No, no, I don't think you could top that. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, next question. Uh, if you were one of the Golden Girls, which one would you be? I think I would um, go with Blanche because I'm just, you know, just kind of like the slutty, spicy one. Sexualized, flirty one. Yeah. Yeah. Can you call Blanche slutty? Is that appropriate? <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. I'm probably I'm- Dorothy. I've, I've tried to keep it. Try to keep it together. He's, you might have picked up that he's the responsible one. <laughs> he's always the designated driver. Oh, always. Just always. Okay. Keep it, keep it moving in a positive direction. Okay. All right. Great. Well, God, you guys were fucking prepared for that one. Okay. So um, the third question, um, what do you know to be true now? Such a good question. That's usually the final question, but yeah. uh, just go ahead. No, great time for it. Um, <laughs> I know that I'm a good person, and I didn't. Uh, Mormonism didn't allow me to believe that. I I spent an enormous amount of my bandwidth until a few years ago battling with what a terrible person I was. Wow. <clears throat> and now I know that I'm a good person, <clears throat> and I that feels good. Yeah, good one. Um, what do I know to be true? All women are bisexual. They just <laughs> might not know it yet. <laughs> right? Right? I really don't mean to, like, you know, minimize people or anything, but I just really think that's true. I mean, we could <laughs> talk for an hour about that. Cool. Let's do it sometime. <laughs> yes. But I couldn't agree more. Oh, yeah. my God. Okay. Um, the fourth question, mm-hmm. what do you want to ask me? I would like to ask you, Sister Twain, do you, do you think you will ever not identify as ex-Mormon? Do you think you'll ever wake up and just not be, be disconnected from that <laughs> narrative? Um, <clears throat> God, that's a fucking great question. The quick knee-jerk answer is, God, I don't have any fucking idea. Yeah. That's fair. Um, But if I think about it for a second, I could see possible scenarios where that would be true. If I, for one, move away from Salt Lake City, which, by the way, I love. Salt Lake City almost mirrors the progressiveness that the progressive journey that I, I feel like I've gone through. Sure. Um, but let's say one day I move away from Salt Lake city, which is totally possible um, and probable and give me a few years that far removed from Utah. Yeah. And I could see it happening. However, everywhere I've lived, I find the ex-Mormons. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're yeah. everywhere. Isn't that something? Um, and, and I haven't lived a lot of places, uh, obviously, since my leaving the church. Um, 
So, but I just feel like no matter where I go, I'll find them. And I would love to think, and I don't see it as an impossibility, that say I move to Houston, Texas, and in 10 years of living in Houston, Texas, I make a new friend who was also raised Mormon. And it's just like a, huh, yeah, me too. And then we don't say anything else about it because neither of us feel the need to. That sounds nice to yeah, me. Right? <laughs> what I do like you that. think, Adam? I, I think I will. I uh, have spoken with a number of people who are in their like 60s now who were Seventh-day Adventists or Jehovah's Witnesses whose narratives really mirror ours pretty closely. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they have told me that they don't identify as an ex-Adventist or an ex-witness anymore. And, and so I um, was moved by that and hold out hope that that will be me one day. Bingo. Bingo. I, I, think, I, I think I feel the same way, uh, hold it, holding out the hope that I'll feel that way one day. What were you going to say, Eve? Uh, nothing. Just same. same. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Agreed. Um, and then there is a final question. Uh, there's a fifth question that I have not asked yet. Do you guys know what that is? Because I don't. It's something about, uh, I don't know the exact words, if we were doing a different podcast. If you or... could speak on oh, a different topic. Right. If you could speak on a different topic, and feel free to answer separately if you want. Um, what, could you, what could you easily do another episode about? Mine would be um, personal finance and um, appropriate uh, retirement savings plans. Well, <laughs> how sexy is that you're gonna get you're gonna get you're gonna emailed about that the gentle listeners will definitely want to hit you up about that okay um i am less um maybe like day drinking (laughs) (laughs) next oh i think i'd be solid on that so okay i have to interject that um (laughs) A couple of things. I don't know if I've talked about this on the episode. I'm sure I have. Um, but you know how we are. We like, we don't know what the fuck we've already talked about. Um, but I was in a grocery store a few months ago and it was late at night and I was just like, I need to get in and out. And a country song was playing on the PA system, which means just more incentive to get out in and out of there as quickly as possible. And then the chorus of this country song jumped out at me, like fell on me like a ton of bricks <laughs> because it went like this. You can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and suddenly you're a com- country fan. Testify. <laughs> um, and then the second thing is, is I was, um, uh, you know what? <sighs> I probably shouldn't say the second thing, which is weird. I don't ever really edit myself. Well done. Um, but I'm just going to edit this time. Good um, so, okay, day drinking. I love it. Um, I typically day drink when there's a global pandemic. Right. So, you know, those times in my so life. So now-ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to the regional pandemics. We don't drink. <laughs> As opposed to just maybe a statewide pandemic. Right. Um, and then on Thanksgiving morning, Mm. As Ooh. soon as I get going on the turkey and get it in the oven, I've already got a glass of wine going. Man, well, let's yeah. try that this year. 
I it's like so that. fun. I want to make that a new tradition. That yeah. is so much fun. Thank you for that. Drinking <laughs> on the holidays. I mean, obvious. That's oh, a choice. I know. I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that does it, guys. Thank you so much. You are so fabulous. That was so this fun. This was so easy and enjoyable. <laughs> and I just am so grateful to have had this opportunity. We were very long-winded. Me too. Uh, no, I. you said so many incredible things. And, and I knew the episode would need to be longer to talk about something like this. Um, because you're not just branching out of something as old and as ingrained in us as monogamy but you but you first had to leave i'm just gonna say it a cult a sex cult (laughs) we left one sex cult for a better one yeah (laughs) we upgraded yes you fucking did with autonomy with your own uh, thoughts (laughs) you're able to have your own thoughts Our our very own thoughts yes so thank you so much. And then I will let you know if anyone reaches out and says, yes, I want to email them and Great. ask them some questions. Um, I am going to uh, publish it tonight. And so by the time you wake up in the morning, people will have heard it. Oh, Hot shit. Damn. <laughs> Hopefully my sister's not listening. <laughs> Love you, Mom. This is Bye, sister. All right. Well, Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Thanks for Thanks staying up late. Yes, our pleasure. And um, I hope that one day we can meet face to face or oh. yes. genital to genital. You know, that, that's really the best way. <laughs> I mean, it's just a nice way to meet people. We'll be when, when we're in Salt. The next time we when the pandemic clears and we come to visit family again, we will text you guys. We'd love to. We'd love to have a drink with you. Awesome, awesome. Brother Coffee and I are a pretty good time. I, I don't that. doubt it. <laughs> we really work really well together. All right. Thank okay. you. Take care. Well. Thanks. All right. Be in touch. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.